peace. All right, thank you guys for that. Before we get started, we've got a couple of things. I, I just I want to say thank you, and uh, somebody said this or, or prayed it, and I just want to say it publicly. Thanks to all of you who, who help us with reading Scripture and, and praying and the worship team that helps us, and it takes courage uh, for Barney to come up here this morning and just to share his heart and share what this means to him, this supper. It takes courage to do that, and I'm really grateful for the people who help us with that, and uh, I just want to tell you I appreciate you guys a lot. Uh, we're glad you're here at Gateway today. Our mission at Gateway is to grow closer to Christ and to encourage others to grow closer to Christ, and we hope that's what's happening in your heart today while you're here. We have a little bit of business with our second memory verse today and our last of the eight that we've worked on memorizing this month. And I hope that you have joined in and been a part of that. And I hope it's not the end of memorizing Scripture. I, before, we say, before we say our memory verse, I, I wanted to tell you guys, this week in staff meeting, we had uh, Dennis Moore there with us. This is one of our shepherds. And he's also a member of our staff because he works in Christian services. And, and Dennis shared a little short story, and I did not ask permission to tell this story. So I'll ask for forgiveness, I guess, right now, in case it wasn't okay. But Dennis short shared this story. He was telling us a little bit about how God had worked in his life through the years. And I don't know how many of you know that Dennis Moore was a mail carrier. And that was his favorite job he ever had in his whole life. And that's very sarcastic. It was not his favorite job. He hated that job, I think is what he said, or didn't, didn't like having it. And he was spending a lot of time while he was carrying the mail, memorizing Scripture, he said. He would just carry these cards with him, and he would memorize Scripture while he walked day after day in the monotony of delivering the mail. And he said one day he came to a, a mailbox that was out by the street, and he was putting the mail in the box, and here came a person and I'm sure that none of you have ever done anything like this in your life, but some person saw a puddle close by Dennis, and they swerved and hit the puddle and covered him in water and icky water and mud or whatever. He dropped the mail, you know, he had to pick it up. And he said that at that instant, at that instant, when that happened, that he remembered the scripture he had been memorizing, which is in Proverbs 19, and I don't have it memorized, so I wrote it down. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. And God brought that right to his heart, and he said it kept him from throwing a rock at that car. <laughs> and instead, he just picked his mail up, and he went on his way and finished his day. And so when we memorize Scripture, it can make a difference in our lives. It's not just some exercise that we do that's a, like a little Bible class thing at church. It is an important part of our walk with God. So today, our, our text that uh, we memorized was from Psalm uh, 46, verses uh, 1 through 3. So I'm going to try to lead you in it. I hope that I can remember it. And uh, so if you've memorized it, say it with me. So here we go. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way or the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake with their surging. Amen. So, if you've memorized that and put it away in your heart, perhaps there'll come a time in your life when it feels like that psalm. 
When it feels like the earth is giving way under your feet. When it feels like the mountains are falling into the sea. When it feels like everything around you in your life is foaming and raging. And you, because you've put that in your heart, will not fear. You will not fear because you know that your God is your refuge and your strength. That He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. So we're finishing up our last lesson today. Let my people grow from Exodus chapter 14. And we have spent a whole month in one chapter of the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 14. And we have been looking at the fact that God put His people right up to the Red Sea, right in this difficult, impossible, scary, terrifying Maybe the most horrible place they had felt like they had ever been in their life, even though they had been in slavery in Egypt. But now, they are in an awful place, and God wanted them right there. We've been studying why, and looking at what they did, and looking at what God did. And we're going to finish that today in Exodus 14, verses 21 through 31. And so that'll be our text, but before we read that, I want to pray, and I want to tell you, I'm going to pray today, as we always pray for another church in town, I'm going to pray for Grace Harvest today. And, and the main reason I'm going to pray for Grace Harvest is because just as we did last year, we're going to repeat the same thing this year. On Wednesday night, starting this Wednesday night, Grace Harvest, their church family, is going to come and join our church family for our meal here for Peak of the Week at 5.30. And then they're going to be here with us to, for our Bible study. And it's a great opportunity to get to know some other Christians in town, to get to be friends with some other people. And some of us have created some great friendship with some of the people from Grace Harvest and that's been very encouraging. Bobby and I will be sharing the teaching. We'll be looking at the life of Moses and the life of Jesus. And we will be saying, how did they experience God? And how might we experience God? So let's pray, and uh, then we will look at our text. God, thank you for today. I'm grateful for, I'm, I'm just grateful for this morning to be here with our church family, God. What a, what a huge blessing. So many people in the world don't have maybe don't have a church family at all, or by, maybe by their own choice, or, or maybe by uh, where they live in the world, they don't have what we have. We can so easily take it for granted, we can so easily pick it apart. Forgive us, God. Help us to be grateful and thankful for every part of this church family, for this body of Christ. We are, we are grateful to be a part of your work here in Rudoso. I pray for our kids today. I'm grateful for them, God. Thank you for all those kids. And I pray that they would be, that they would be falling in love with Jesus today, where, where they're at, what they're doing, the things they're studying, whether it be a craft they're making, a song they're singing, whether it be a scripture that they're memorizing, something that they are learning about God's word. We pray that they, God, would know you better today. And we pray the same for our hearts that as we are here today, our hearts would be open to hear from you. That you, Holy Spirit, would change. Change where we need your work in our hearts. We pray for Bobby. Uh, we pray for uh, Grace Harvest Church. And we ask you to be with, with, uh, with them and, and the work that they do there. We pray that Bobby would boldly proclaim the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus today. And we pray for him and Teresa. We just, it's pretty, pretty public knowledge how, what a difficult time his daughter and son-in-law are, are having. 
So we lift them up to you and we pray for you to rescue them. And we boldly ask, God, that you would bring them uh, back home. God, we're grateful for uh, this, this next few moments. And we know it's a great privilege that we get to read your very words, the words of life. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus. And everyone says, Amen. So Exodus chapter 14. And we will begin in verse... Let's see if I can get this little deal to work here. Maybe so. Maybe not. Exodus 14 verses 21 through 31. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And that day the Lord saved Israel from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in Him and in Moses, His servant. The reason that I chose for us to look at Exodus 14 is because I believe the experience of the Red Sea is universal. Everybody, everybody at some point in life ends up at this place with God. Everybody. Now, that happens in a couple of different ways. One way, the first way it happens, is that He leads His people there. He leads His people, as we've talked about, to the Red Sea like He did with Israel. He puts them there by His sovereign will so that we can grow. He's already said, from Egypt, let my people go. Now he brings them to this horrible, awful place and says, let my people grow. And even though we don't like to admit it, and even though we hate that it's the truth, we all know that the times in our life that we grow the very most are the most difficult. The most difficult times. The times when our back is up against the wall when we have no idea how we're going to get out of this, we can't see a way out, we perhaps are terrified and scared, that's the time when we grow more than any other time in our life. That's the first way that people, all people, get to the Red Sea. But the people who don't get there that way, there's a second way that people get to the Red Sea. 
people end up there as God's enemy. People end up there because they are rebellious. People end up there because they are angry. People end up there because they are out of control. Bent on their own will, no matter what it's going to cost them or anyone else around them, they end up at the Red Sea. Now, none of us like to think of ourselves as Pharaoh. I mean, I don't want to do that because Pharaoh's the bad guy and I'm the good guy. Pharaoh's evil and I happen to be pretty good. He's the enemy of God and I am... Now, wait a second. I seem to remember a place in the Bible that talks about enemies in the New Testament. What is that? It's Romans. That's what it is. Romans chapter 5. God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through through Him? For if, listen close, this is talking about us. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Look at what Colossians says. Once you were alienated from God, and you were what? You were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, He's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. I have a question for all of us to think about as we consider these verses. What is God's will for His enemies? Is it destruction? Is this God's will for His enemies? Or is it reconciliation? I don't believe God will force anyone to become reconciled with Him. He gives us free will to be destroyed if we so choose. If I want to be destroyed, He gives me the free will to be destroyed. But 1 Timothy tells me something about the heart of God. 1 Timothy tells me there's something that God wants. What is it that God wants? God wants all people to be saved. And so what does he do? What does God do because he wants all people to be saved? I'm going to tell you something surprising, I think, that he does. He makes the wheels fall off. That's what he does. (laughs) Like he's doing right now with this microphone. I spent 15 minutes this week in this auditorium walking around doing everything I could with this microphone to make it make that noise and it wouldn't do it. One of you has some kind of weird electricity in your body. I'm not sure who it is. What does God do because He wants all people to be saved? He makes the wheels fall off. That's what verse 25 says. He made, God made the wheels of their chariots come off. So they had difficulty driving. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no wheels? It's pretty difficult to drive. No kidding. It's kind of one of those obvious places in the Scripture. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. See, now they realize the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. 
they recognize this is God. It's not just chance or bad luck. You would have thought they would have recognized that by the miraculous works he did in Egypt, the ten plagues. You would have thought they would have recognized that by the pillar of fire and the cloud that led them by day. You would have thought they would have recognized God was fighting by the walls of water that they were walking through. You would have thought that they would have recognized that before. But they were not able to see it. Sometimes people can't see God when He's working to save His people. Some people, when they hear about the amazing miracle of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, when they hear about the amazing miracle of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, they just can't get it. For whatever reason, it doesn't penetrate their heart. They can't get there. They're so selfish or so angry or so confused or so hurt that the only thing that can get their attention in their life is if the wheels fall off. My life is falling apart. All of a sudden, it gets their attention. So there's a man that I know. He lives in a different state. And a a while back, he and I were talking on the phone And he confessed to me that he was sleeping with another man's wife. The Bible calls that adultery. A lot of us call it an affair, but the Bible calls it adultery. The Bible describes it as scooping hot coals into your lap and thinking, I won't get hurt by this. That's what the Bible says about what this man was doing. He justified it, of course. The man and his wife were separated and they were planning to get divorced. It was just a slow and messy thing and so it didn't seem that bad to him. And then guess what happened to the guy I was talking to on the phone? Guess what happened? The wheels started falling off. That's what happened. He lost his job. He lost his house. His his car broke and was going to be thousands of dollars to fix. The other car that he had, he had a wreck in it. On and on, it keeps going. One person who had been a friend of his got so angry that he called him on the phone and threatened to come to where he lived and kill him. And a a co-worker, a lawyer called him and told him that a co-worker was suing him. And suddenly this man began to say, I wonder if this could be God. And thankfully, that man ended that adulterous relationship with that woman, that married woman. And he turned to God, and he's presently running toward Jesus. So thank God for his grace. Amen? Before any of us maybe pass too much judgment on a man like that, a person who's blown it, who's been that rebellious, Remember what we just read. We were all enemies of God at one time. And still today, if you or I, if we're unwilling to humble ourselves, if we are rebellious, then He will discipline us, the Bible says. He will discipline us. The Bible says that His Spirit will convict us. The Bible says He will take the hedge of protection that happens to be around us and our life and our family, He will take that away and He will give us over to our sinful desires of our heart. The Bible says that He will allow the consequences of our sin 
to wash over our lives like the walls of an ocean coming down on top of our heads. And why does he do this? Why does he allow all that to happen? Is it so he can get back at us? If you're going to sleep with that married woman, I'll tell you what, I'm going to get back at you. You're about to get smacked. Is that the God of the Bible or is the heart of God something different? The wheels fell off in another man's life. I don't know if this man was committing adultery with another man's wife or not, but I know that he was being rebellious. And the reason I know that is because the Bible described his actions like this. He went to a distant land and he wasted all his dad's money on parties and prostitutes. And guess what happened? The wheels fell off. That's what happened. The wheels of his life fell off and he found himself in a horrible place. And then some of the greatest words in the Bible are written in this story that Jesus told. He came to his senses. He came to his senses. That's why God makes the wheels fall off of our lives. That's the reason. Because he loves us. The Bible says in John 3.16 that he loves the world. That he loves the entire world. God is not hoping to get back at us. God is a patient and kind father, is the way Jesus describes him. Waiting and watching for us to come down the road of repentance, where we will find him running and celebrating our return. One of the most controversial and true Christian songs that I have ever heard was released, it was written and released by a Christian group called The Lost Dogs. That's the name of that Christian group. And they released it about two decades ago. And it's been one of my favorite songs since I heard it. I learned to play it on my guitar. I just have never had the courage to ever play it anywhere because I was afraid somebody would throw something at me. And this morning, I'm going to take the risk and read the lyrics to you. So if you happen to be holding anything that's hard or something that could hurt, just put that down real quick. Okay, go ahead and set that aside for a minute. And then just listen, listen to what these people in this music group said about what we're talking about this morning. Politicians, morticians, Philistines, homophobes, skinheads, deadheads, tax evaders, street kids, alcoholics, workaholics, wise guys, dimwits, blue collars, white collars, warmongers, and peaceniks, breathe deep. Breathe deep the breath of God. For God so loved the world. Oh, wait, I, oh, the song's not over yet. Hold on, it gets worse. Suicidal, rock idols, shut-ins, dropouts, friendless, homeless, penniless, and depressed. Presidents, residents, foreigners, and aliens, dissidents, feminists, xenophobes, and chauvinists. Breathe deep. Breathe deep the breath of God. Evolutionists, creationists, perverts and slumlords, 
deadbeats, athletes, Protestants, and Catholics, housewives, neophytes, pro-choice, and pro-life, misogynist, monogynist, philanthropist, and blacks and white, breathe deep. Breathe deep the breath of God. Sorry, not done. There's more. Police, obese, lawyers and government, sex offenders, tax collectors, war vets and rejects, atheists, scientists, racists, sadists, biographers, photographers, artists and pornographers, breathe deep, breathe deep the breath of God. One more. Gays and lesbians, demagogues and thespians, the disabled, preachers, doctors and teachers, meat eaters, wife beaters, judges and juries, long hairs and no hairs, everybody everywhere, breathe deep, breathe deep the breath of God. Yeah, I would, I would clap for it, amen. See folks, that's the good news that the Bible announces. It doesn't announce that everything I read on that song list is okay. Don't worry about it. Do whatever you want. It announces that God loves everybody. All those people that we just read about, breathe deep, believe in the name of the Son. That's the good news. God is not against you. God is for you. God doesn't hate you. God loves you. God is not waiting to zap you. God is waiting to embrace you. They said it with a song. These people said it with a video. Watch this. We're almost done. I've heard it. You've heard it. It's time for a new beginning. Time to start a fresh page or paint a new picture with our life. Sounds great in theory but it can seem impossible. Life is messy. The lines have gotten blurred. Maybe we just don't know where to start. We look at the canvas of our lives and see mistake after mistake after mistake. It's overwhelming. When I look at my life with these messy lines and scribbles, it makes me think, is this as good as it gets? There's no eraser that can make this life make sense. But what if? What if there was someone that could make sense of our mess? They could take all our scribbles, all our mistakes, all our missed opportunities, and make them into a masterpiece. And then I remember there is Jesus. He gives us a new life. Every day is new. Every day is a blank canvas full of possibility and promise. He takes our canvases, our lives that have been filled up with shortcomings, secrets, tragedies, and embarrassments, and he helps them make sense. When I look at the canvas of my life and I see nothing but disorder and chaos, I have to remember this. God is not a God of disorder. He's a God of peace. And you know what? 
He wants to take my hand and bring peace to the canvas of my life. So as we seek to make our mark, let us give God all our scribbles, all our mistakes, all our hurts, and trust that he will turn our messy lives into a masterpiece, his masterpiece. Yeah. I'm really thankful to Ann Spence and the other ladies who worked so hard. She found that video that went perfectly with our sermon today. What a great message. If you, if you are being rebellious, listen, listen. Don't not pay attention right now. If you are being rebellious, why not come home today? Why not walk away from your angry chariots that are going nowhere? They don't have any wheels. Why not run away from the imminent consequences that are about to crash down on your head like the walls of the Red Sea? Why not come back to God who wants to save you from yourself? Why not if you're being rebellious? We're going to have an invitation song in just a few minutes. And that is God inviting you to give your life to Him. To be baptized. To let us pray over you today. Don't leave today with your rebellion and your pride holding on tight to them. They are chariots with no wheels. They are in the middle of a Red Sea that is going to crash down on your life. Let go of your pride. Let go of your rebellion. Today. Lay it down here. By the way, some of you have been praying for my nephew, Jeff, who's in jail in Oklahoma. I'm so grateful for your prayers. I believe God is powerfully working in his life. My sister texted me last night and said, she told me last week Jeff's been going to a Bible study, which Jeff hadn't opened a Bible in a decade and has been angry at God and doesn't believe in God. He's been going to a Bible study and he has decided to be baptized. And so on February 13th, they've arranged that, that in the prison, he's going to be able to be baptized. And I thank you guys for praying for him. God is working powerfully. He is working powerfully in Jeff's life to let the consequences crash on my nephew so that he's in jail, so that the wheels that he had put on his life have fallen and broken to pieces. Thank you, God, for bringing us to the Red Sea. Some of you, you need to respond and do the same thing that Jeff's doing. You need to lay down your pride and lay down your rebellion. One more thing before we finish and sing our invitation song, and that is praise. Praise. Exodus 14 ends, and chapter 15 begins with the people of God being in awe of this amazing God who has saved them. And you know what their response is? Praise. Worship. It's the first song that's written in our Bibles, Exodus 15. They sing of God's deliverance. They sing of God's might. They sing of God's love. And I'm reminding us, and they remind us, to do the same thing. Whatever your Red Sea experience is, folks, for some of you, I know it's health. 
leukemia. In remission. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And it's cancer. And it's depression. For others of you, it's relational. Some of you have been abandoned by someone doing it on purpose or just by someone going to be with Jesus and you are left alone. Some of you have been stabbed in the back. Some of you have been divorced. Some of you have been lonely. Some of you are stuck with a person that it is very hard to love. For some of you, the Red Sea is financial. Some of you have lost your job and you can't find one. Some of you are unable to pay your bills. Maybe it's because of your own bad choices or maybe it's just because of the economy. Some of you have had to claim bankruptcy. Or maybe, just maybe, some of you just have way too much money and it's killing you. It's killing you. Whatever your Red Sea experience is, remember to praise. Whenever your Red Sea is over. Now, there'll be another one a little later, but this one. When this one is over and you find yourself on the other shore, when you find yourself there, don't forget to praise this God. When you remember He has been with me every single step of the way, He has sustained me all the way, He has saved me, He has been good to me in the midst of my Red Sea experience because He is an awesome, awesome God. So let's praise this awesome God. And this is the invitation if you need to come. Let's stand. Yeah.